Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, conversations with your favourite theatre actors and creatives. Hello, I'm Mikey Worrell. This week's guest is currently storming the boards as Jamie in the last five years at the Garrick Theatre in the West End. You may have seen him on TV in Bridgerton on Netflix and in the BBC's The Pursuit of Love. The reviews called this the definitive production of the last five years, and I have to say I agree. I saw it a few weeks ago, and it's just sensational. You've only got a couple of weeks left to go, so if you can, please buy a ticket. You will not regret it. I won't delay the interview any longer because you can probably hear I have a bit of a cold, uh, thankfully not COVID, so I won't make you endure my nasal voice for any longer than you need to. Here's my conversation with Ollie Higginson. Congratulations on the show. I saw it last Wednesday. It's just terrific. You and Molly are both just out of this world. Um, and, I, and I agree with every review I've read that says it's the definitive production, all of that. So uh, congratulations. Um, I believe this is a journey that began for you in January 2020. How, how did it begin? I guess it's, for me, it began when I first saw an announcement uh, that Southwark were going to be doing a production of last five years. That was in probably October of 2019. And so from then it was kind of like on my radar, but it wasn't really until January of 2020 that, you know, the audition came through, had the meeting and everything. But I did spend most of my Christmas listening to the show, thinking about the show. Uh, I knew it was going to be a piano-based thing. So I was like, can I do this? I can play some piano, so... What bits can I play? So I sort of just did everything I could to to prep myself, even though I didn't have any, didn't even know I was going to be auditioning. So then auditioned in January, and literally it was the quickest turnaround. We had an audition, we had a recall, and then I found out I think on the Thursday uh, before the Monday that we started rehearsals that I got it, and obviously was over the moon. And yeah, and then went straight, plunged straight into rehearsals with everybody finding out you got the part on the Thursday and diving into rehearsals on the Monday. Is that normal? I mean, that's not really normal. I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, it was a fringe production. So sometimes with those sorts of things, you know, everything is quite hectic and mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like the, the way things come about. And I think, but no, I mean, it was, it was, I know they'd really struggled to find people to, they'd auditioned loads of people and it was difficult because the demands were so specific for this production. But I had, I mean, I'd done the recall on the Monday of that week and I'd I'd felt, I just felt like there was some connection with Jonathan, the director. And I really thought, Oh God, I think, I think I might have this. And then I didn't hear anything. I was expecting to hear sort of the next day. I didn't hear anything for days. And I really had, by the time I got the phone call from my agent on Thursday evening, I had really, accepted the bleak prospect of not getting the role and uh so it was really weird to have essentially i was in the process of mourning the loss of that role and then was suddenly brought out of it and and told that i was starting on monday it was amazing how things can just go from you know zero to a hundred in the space of a five minute phone call 
Yeah. In some ways, though, is it is it quite nice to sort of make peace with the fact that it's not gone your way for it then to, to completely go the other way? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah, you, you sort of, I think, you yeah, you learn a lot from those sorts of experiences anyway. And it, it was nice to obviously then get the parts and not have to, you know, carry on in, in a relative point, a place of despair. Um, but, but you're reminded, you know, how much these things mean to you. And sometimes you audition for something and you don't, and you think you're not going to get it and you don't get it. And actually it doesn't, doesn't really matter to you. Some, you know, some projects matter more than others. This was one that I was just desperate to play, uh, which puts you in a very vulnerable place as an actor when you're auditioning for something that you really want. But Yeah, for sure. So when you find out the rehearsals are starting four days later, are you then in a place of, oh my God, I need to completely sort my diary out? Or had you kind of put your ducks in a row already so that if it worked out, you were like, it's, it's, it's cool? I was, yeah, I was really, I, from a work perspective, I was very fortunate because I didn't, I had just done something at the Hampstead Theatre, which was finito. And then I'd just done, just finished filming Bridgerton series one, literally that week. So I was like, my diary was wide open from a work perspective. So in that regards, it was like, fantastic. I just get to dedicate myself to this show. I mean, obviously like anything with acting, I, I was also moving house uh, a couple of weeks later. So that was all a bit stressful figuring that out. And you have life things that have to maybe go on hold. <laughs> but, sure. but to be honest, I was really fortunate, you know, that I, it wasn't one of those things where like, oh God, how is this going to work out? It was just a perfect window. So remind me of the timeline here, because did you get the show on before COVID or was the autumn the first iteration of it? No, we got it on before COVID. We, so we rehearsed all through, I think we started rehearsals end of January and it went to like end of February. We had our first preview on around the 28th of Feb. Uh, press night, I think, was on 1st of March or 2nd of March or something like that. And... But so, yeah, so it was, everything was pre-COVID. And, but I mean, COVID was sort of in our headspace. We were all starting to use hand sanitizer religiously. We weren't, we were sort of discussing, you know, should we be wearing masks? People mm. started to wear masks, but we, we didn't, none of us really took it that seriously. I, I was convinced that it was never going to, you know, because I think it was in China and then maybe in Italy at that point. I was convinced that, you know, there was going to be some kind of intervention and we, we were not going to have to suffer with this in the UK. So it was kind of there. And, but not, you know, no audience members were wearing masks. We were a packed house. It was really business as usual. Press yeah. night, everyone was just chatting and, you know, hugging and all of those sorts of things. And it so, gets so warm in that auditorium. <laughs> yes. Oh God, it certainly does to me. I'm basically dripping with sweat the entire show. But, but then of course, once we opened, it was about eight, nine, 10 days before we shut. So it, once we opened, it was then a, a sudden like, I don't think we're going to get to the end of this. And then we were one of the last shows to perform actually. I think we're pretty much one of the only shows in London that performed on the last, on that Monday night. Oh, so you went ahead on the Monday when everything yeah. else closed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were because you aware go, at the start that everything else had shut down but, and you were going ahead? Yeah, yeah, we... Um, We'd been aware, obviously Broadway had shut by that point. So mm -hmm. that was the first thing, I think a week before that Broadway had shut. And then a couple of 
things had started going. And then obviously that fateful Monday, everything was just gone. But then because we weren't a, Southwark is not a salt um, theatre, we had sort of a bit of free reign in terms of like, are we going to do the show or not? And, you know, I, I think it was, I mean, what, what, what decision can you make? I think everyone was probably, we didn't think we were going to be doing a show that night. We were all huddled around, you know, not the radio, but the, the equiv- modern equivalent of your phone and Twitter. Everyone feed. just scrolling really, in silence. Like, what, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we, we were told on that Monday night that we would be doing our last show. That would be the last one. So we, we had the sort of privilege in many ways to make peace with the show and do one last one, knowing it was going to be the last. It was pretty quiet. It was about half empty. Some people were wearing masks. Everyone was pretty careful, but also we were just, as a, as a community, just sort of aware that this was going to be the last time in a long time that uh, we were going to be able to be together in, in one room. Did, so anyone, was, yeah. did anyone say anything at the end of that performance, whether to the audience or just amongst the, the team after the show? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't any sort of formal... Well, I just, I actually, I, I really, really remember... I had a couple of friends in the audience who I didn't know were going to be there from the industry who had sort of essentially found themselves there because it was the only show. They were like, I didn't know what to see, you know, so we all came here, which was lovely. I remember being in the bar afterwards chatting and, uh, and then just the stage manager just coming up to me and sort of whispering in my ear, yeah, that we're, we've officially closed. We're not going to be reopening. And I mean, obviously we did reopen months, months, months later, but, it, but for essentially that for the foreseeable future, the show was done for. It was really, really strange. And I actually kind of, you know, it makes me quite emotional now just thinking about that moment because it's just, it was just so uncertain. And I still, I still was very optimistic. I was like, we'll be back by end of May or June or something, which that did not happen. So it was a very, very weird vibe. I'll, I'll never forget it, but the bar did stay open, so. Oh, <laughs> so thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. um, so when it came to putting the show back on um, in the autumn, how, how did that happen? Did you get a call saying, we're going to try it, are you up for it? Yeah, um, I think we all of us stayed in touch. Katie, the producer, Jonathan, the director, Mal, oh, sorry, that's mine. What's my bell? Um, Do you need to go get a delivery? Um, or I, let me just. Oh, good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> all good. Um, Don't worry. We uh, so we all kept in touch, and you know, had, did it what everyone else did, and had Zoom pub quizzes and sure. all of that kind of thing. And obviously, the first thing we all talk about is: is the show going to come back? Are we going to do it again? There had been all this. You know, the show had been so well received when we did it in March that there were plans already in motion for it to be done at a theater in the West end, even in New York, the show was clear, clearly had a life beyond, but obviously then COVID came in. So it was, there are all these different options and it was probably in about end of July, August time that in these zoom calls, uh, the, the possibility of going back to Southwark arose and everyone was of course like, well, the set's still in there, hadn't moved for those sort of months that we'd been gone. 
everything was just sort of as it was. It was a two-hander. We could test. We could tick all the boxes required. So it was just a no-brainer, really, to go back in. It was a bit tricky because I was doing another job at the time, a television job, and they obviously the COVID protocols were so strict. So I barely actually even rehearsed the last five years for that second run because I had to be quarantined in a hotel. And I think we did, a, I think I did like four, four days of, of re-rehearsal after six months of not doing it. But thankfully, you know, it was a show we knew well. We took loads of COVID precautions. Everyone was safe and it was amazing. It was amazing to do it again. We had the perspex in, the, I don't know whether you saw the show then, but. I, I, I was booked and then lockdown two happened. Yeah, so, Well, you missed, you missed out on the joy of being in basically a sort of perspex cubicle for minutes, which was the, the way it worked, which was actually amazing. Everyone at Southwark did such a fantastic job at making it possible. Mm. It just goes to show it, it's possible when you really put your brains together and make it work. Yeah. So when it came to filming it, how, how was that process for you? Did it, was it kind of, did it feel like you were just shooting an EPK, but for longer, or did it feel bigger than that? It felt, yeah, it felt very much different to doing an EPK. The filming prospect came in very late. That was probably like the, really the week. So we filmed it on the Saturday that we opened. Mm-hmm. Um, in still in previews, so that that was like sort of, yeah, the first basically the first Saturday we'd done the show a couple of times, and it was the only time that we could fit it in with the schedule, and the only time the Stream Theatre, who who the company filmed it, could come in. So it was like <laughs> it's now or never. We need to do it basically tomorrow. I mean, literally, there was a conversation on Friday night of like, are we going to do it? Are we not? I mean, it was so last minute. I, don't, I really can't believe that we pulled it off because essentially they were like, we, have, we can do the show once. We have one take and then we can go back for like two, three, four moments if, if anything goes wrong. Oh but my God. Nothing more than that. So whatever you do is it. <laughs> In set, I mean, uh, but it's almost one of those things where it's such high pressure. You, you just sort of, you can't even think about it. You know, there's, so yeah, all of that was one take apart from, I think three or I think we did moving too fast a second time because of a band, some kind of band issue. And we did summer in Ohio a second time and nobody needs to know a second time. Um, Cause I put my shirt inside out on nobody. <laughs> So, um, so those two things we did again, um, but, and they, and they did a fantastic job of obviously editing it and making it just look brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was very much flying by the seat of our pants in terms of getting it done. It was crazy. Did you have any conversations about sort of the direction of it in terms of like how to behave around the camera and like sort of trans translating it from stage to screen? No, I mean, I mean, we had the briefest of conversations. It was filmed in a way that I think it was three sort of stable, a setup of three stable cameras and then one steady cam that, you know, could follow us around. Mm-hmm. But really all of that was just done in the moment. I think they just said, don't look into the camera, <laughs> which, uh, which, uh, which actually is something to, to be, to think about because the show is very much a direct address to the audience. So, you know, that actually was a conversation of 
should it be like delivered mm. um, as if the listener is the, you know, the camera. But I think we, we just, we decided not to do that. But, um, but really, no, it was very much responding in the moment to where the Steadicam was. And it was, it was guerrilla theater. Really. <laughs> it was great. In the best possible way. In the best possible way yeah. um, so now you're, you're on stage at the Garrick, you've made it to the West End. What has anything changed since Southwark? I know you were in the round there. So how, what, what else has, has happened in, in, in the gap in between? Yeah, I, loads and loads and loads and loads, to be honest. I think people who really know the show from its Southwark iteration will, um, will spot loads of differences. Um, they are some of them very subtle, some of them not subtle. Uh, to me as an actor, it feels like almost a completely different show in many ways because everything is, it's the same spirit and the same kind of, you know, journey, but, you know, everything's on different sides of the stage. Things mm-hmm. are in different places. Pretty much all the props have had like an upgrade. They're the same sort of prop, but they're a slightly nicer, fancier version than what it was at Southwark. Great. It's obviously like, so much bigger so it takes a lot a lot of time to go from one side to the other whereas at Southwark you could sort of dart across and really take a couple of seconds and we've got these steps at the back now which give it this kind of very grand end on vibe Mm. we've got a grand piano as opposed to a a baby grand that it was at Southwark Um, but I I just think everything's sort of you know Jonathan is such a fantastic director we he he wouldn't let us, you know, just sort of rehash what we did at Southwark. We sat down again at the start of rehearsals for this West End transfer and, you know, read through the lyrics again, discussed every single moment that, that the characters go through and discovered new things that we hadn't even thought about. And of course, just the sheer fact of doing it on this side of the pandemic, I think to me, it, the show is, it is even more relevant than it was before because of, the stresses that relationships have come under as a result of this massive external thing that has been put onto us, which in many ways is exactly what Kathy and Jamie go through of like, how do you reconcile the trajectory you want to go on with the trajectory that other people are sort of pushing you down? And that's something that all of us have had to deal with in the last year. So I think anyone who saw it at Southwark really should come and see it again because it's, it's a bigger and better version than it was. And I, I, never, I didn't think it was going to translate as well as it has done. I always sort of thought, oh, it's nice to be really intimate and in the round at Southwark and everything, which it is. But there's also something really fascinating about, you know, seeing these characters in this very sort of like televisual proscenium arch in which they're sort of trapped in their kind of music box world of, of their relationship. I think it's really, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's great. It's, it looks fab. But um, I also just thought, having seen it at the other palace, or as the, the St. James as it was in 2016, it's so nice to hear it in a, such a big way as well. Like, I don't remember ever seeing a production of the last five years where there was, it sounds ridiculous, but so much light and shade in, in the volume. Like there are so many moments where you're really clunking on the piano in a way that I don't remember ever hearing it done before. And I was like, it's great. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, Southwark was a very, very different kettle of fish sound wise. It's, I mean, I love Southwark. It's a fantastic venue, but it's, it's tricky in terms mm. of sound um, when you're doing a musical in there. And 
you only have a, a select number of options to pick from when you're trying to, you know, figure things out. So as you say, yeah, I mean, at Southwark, it was mainly a thing of like, we can't have the band too loud because it will overpower the singers and we can't have the singers too loud to overpower the band. And, but in the West End, there's no issues with that at all. Everything can be as loud or as intimate as possible. I think actually there are some real moments in, you know, it's not everything is louder. As you say, it's, um, there's some moments in the West End one that I think is even more intimate than it was uh, at Southwark because you can, when you have fantastic sound design, you can almost whisper a lyric and it works, you know, Mm. Uh, whereas at Southwark, you know, you're, you're facing the other way and the audience is behind you because it's in the round and, you know, the sound mix is just a lot more complicated. So it's amazing. And obviously we now have a drummer. We didn't have drums at Southwark. Would have been impossible really to, to do the show with drums in a small space like that. But now they have, they're in a drum booth, so it can be all mixed. And, and it, oh, it, it really does add a real like sense of like gusto to yeah. the mood exciting moments so yeah um one of the other things i loved while we're on uh, orchestration and all of that is how uh, you and or molly would be playing the piano one minute at the start of a song and how the md would just pick up like on the next phrase and it was just seamless like it was it was so slick so slick yeah i mean so much work so much work has gone into figuring out the piano for this show and continues you know we we had a version that we did at southwark this version, I'd say, is even more sophisticated in terms of Leo, our amazing musical director, was adamant that basically there's no moment in the show where he's playing the same thing as what we're playing. So we went through it all again and went, no, you know, I think Leo's going to just come off the keys entirely at this moment and it's just going to be the onstage piano. And that is terrifying <laughs> from, from, from our perspective because you go... God, all that is happening right now is literally I'm playing piano and Molly's singing and we're, and that is it. There's nothing else. But those moments are so, and in fact, Leo even, because he's just a, an absolute legend, was like, I'm not even going to conduct you because in those moments, it's all about you, Molly and you, Ollie, like logging in with each other and feeling whatever you know, that might change from night to night, but it's about you two together rather than both of you looking up at someone else who then tells you when to come mm. in. So, which is amazing. And that, and that is what the show is all about. It's about a relationship between two people and the, the intimacy of that and purity of, of that. And I think we've got that musically in the piano. So, yeah. I love how that translates into sort of almost the power dynamic of the relationship as well. How when you're playing the music for each other's songs, like uh, the one that really struck me was Nobody Needs to Know when Molly's at the piano playing the song. Oh, that was powerful. It's, it's I know, I know it's you. Yeah, all of a sudden, these people who are sort of absent in these moments, these pivotal moments in their relationship you know, all of a sudden, yeah, they're, they're very much a part of it, which is part of that, mm. which... Um... <laughs> very good. <laughs> um, Jason Robert Brown is responsible, in my opinion, for some of the most beautiful uh, musical theatre scores ever written. Um, yeah. how, how involved has he been in this production and what conversations have you had with him, if any? He's been... He's, he has been involved um, from the very beginning. In fact... Obviously, he had to approve of the idea in the very first place, <clears throat> which was 
you know, obviously incredibly radical. No one had ever suggested that to him before. So to be honest, it's amazing that he had faith in us from the very beginning to pull it off because um, it could have been a car crash. And yeah, and he's, I mean, all the way through, I don't, I think he's seen the stream. Um, he's hopefully going to come to London and see the, the West End or maybe we'll go over there. We'll see. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and he's, I mean, every single decision that's made in the show gets sent to him. We have a conversation about it. He says, absolutely no way. Uh, or, or he says, yes, that's, that's brilliant. And in fact, I think now we're looking at, I think he's really keen for this version of the show to become a, a licensable version of the show. So people over the world can do the version in which Kathy and Jamie play piano, which is really cool. So he's, he's amazing. I mean, I, I, he's obviously extremely busy, but yeah. incredible, incredible man. And yeah, he's been very supportive. Is this your favorite Jason Robert Brown show? Um, I think it probably, probably is. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I honestly love all his work. What's, what's, it, what's its closest competitor, closest, shall we say? I, I think Parade is just insanely good, um, as is Bridges of Madison County. Um, and I love Songs of New World as well. I, I think I, what I love about Last Five Years is that it's, sort of defies well to be honest that's the same with a lot of Jason Robert Brown's work it really does defy what a musical should be or look like Parade certainly does that because you you wouldn't go let's make a musical of this story but uh, but he can but yeah I just I mean the thing with Last Five Years I just love the intimacy of it I love the fact it's just two people I also love that which again he gets across I think in his writing of Leo Frank in Parade, he never shies away from making a character um, as unlikable as they are likable, which I just think is so rare in theatre in general, but especially in musical theatre. And I think we, we should see a lot more of it because it's, it's not helpful. It's not helpful for anybody. And it's not, I don't think it's very interesting to put on a character on stage or a pair of characters on stage who are just like the villain and, and the hero of the story, because no one is that in real life. It's not and so I, binary, is it? It's never, it's, you know, we all, it's what I find so fascinating about people who just have this knee jerk reaction to Jamie as a character and go, Oh God, he's just, he's just such a horrible person. The word I hate when people refer to him is problematic. Problematic. Eye roll. Like, well, you're problematic because you're a human being. Jamie's a human being. And the fact is, is we all are capable of being Jamie at some point in our lives. And if you think you're not, then you're living in a very like strange, probably egotistical world in which you think that you could never, that, that such things could never happen in your life that you would end up being someone who perhaps you didn't want to be in, in the very beginning. Um, and I think that's what happens to Jamie. I think that is why I just think last time is a phenomenal piece. I, I mean, I'm in awe of Jason. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. And I would happily just do his musicals for the rest of my life. Certainly Bridges and Parade are just incredible. Mm, I agree. Um, we, we've touched on the staging already, but there are just two moments that I want to discuss. Um, the opening, I just thought was so simple, but so clever, just immediately putting you smack bang in the centre of Manhattan was just 
excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also um, the story of Shmuel, which I think for a lot of people when they first discover the last five years is, is the one that they skip. Yes. And then when you sort of get into it, you're yeah. like, oh no, it's it's a banger. Um, <laughs> but when you're standing on, like the first time you had to stand on top of the piano, especially when you're on a baby grand, which I imagine was a lot less sort of surface area, yeah. with a, your leg over a model building. Like, <laughs> And you're, you've got to, oh, I just, I was sitting there going, oh my God, don't fall, don't fall, don't I fall. I know. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I brought most of it upon myself because when we, you know, Jonathan's so great. When we very first did, staged all the numbers, he was just like, just do whatever you want. Whatever you, you know, if you, if you want to, you know, go over here, go over there, climb on the piano, you know, spin around, do whatever you want. And then we'll, um, you know, I'll tell you if, 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 if we want to keep it or not keep it basically. Um, so we just would do the songs like again, again, again. And I just try out the most, you know, all the most crazy things, most of which have made it into the show. Um, and so I have brought it on myself, uh, to the kind of stress of having to, yeah, climb on. I mean, it's, and it actually the, the, the grant, the new piano is harder because it's higher. So come onto it is not, you could sort of hop up onto the baby grand before, but now it's, it's much higher off the ground and we're on a rake. So the piano is actually sloping. Mm. Um, and of course it's revolving and yes, there's a guitar. So I've got kind of one less arm to sort of stabilize myself. I mean, it's, it's crazy, I, but I, I love it. And, and small, I, I totally agree. It's, it's one of those ones that I, I always used to sort of, you know, yeah you know you would it's because when it starts you just hear norbert or adam depending on which one you're listening to going first a story and you like skip yeah i don't want to listen to a story today um not a non eight minute story no um but actually yeah it's it's i love i love it so much i think it's such a i don't there's hardly anything really like it in musical theater i think a, a, a song like that um and it's so it ticks so many boxes in terms of storytelling and character information about Jamie and Kathy and their relationship and what they want from each other. But yeah, and I, I love the opening as well. I love, I, I mean, it's an amazing experience for us because we're sat right behind, there's a kind of black curtain that lifts up at the start. So we don't really, we're just sat, sat behind there and we just get this amazing blast of seeing every single face in the audience right at the top of the show, which is amazing. You just kind of look out and just go, you know, I'm going to share this story with you and let's see what happens. You talked, you talked about the piano being higher. There was what, I can't remember what number it is, but there was a moment and I think it's the first time Molly sort of sat on it and she goes around to the front and she sort of leaned against it. And I could see her sort of bracing to kind of like thrust herself on top of it. I was thinking, God, like if that went wrong, I would really feel for her. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, uh, there's so much that can go wrong that you almost, you're relieved of, of the pressure. I think like, I mean, Jonathan always, which is, a, and Leo has the same perspective on things, which is great, which is that you're never going to have a perfect show. So just, you know, something's always going to go wrong in, in something like this, where you don't leave the stage for 90 minutes. I mean, nothing is ever going to be perfect. It's impossible. So um, I think I'd probably be more stressed if it was like the show was very simple. And then there's like one moment in which, you know, I do, you know, climb over something or whatever. Mm. I'd be more worried about it, but you spend half your time rolling around and climbing on things. You sort of get used to it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, 
A, qu- a query um, that I was thinking about earlier, when it comes to uh, Olivier eligibility, will this be revival or new, do you think? Have, has anyone had that conversation? Yes, there has been a conversation and I don't think I have heard what the answer to that is. I think, um, I mean, the show the show is eligible for uh, Olivier, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I... I actually do not know. That's a very, very good point. But someone has had that conversation. It was brought up a few weeks ago. What do you think? Well, if this was maths, I'd be showing you my working out right now. Because I was like, okay, I remember Julie Atherton and Paul Spicer did it at the Duchess, I think, for two weeks in 2009. But then I remember that there's a rule about the number, there's like a threshold of performances, isn't there? Yes. Um, and then I was thinking about the St. James one, and I don't think... I know the other palace is salt, but I don't know if the St. James was ever salt. And I don't think that was ever eligible for stuff. So my head thinks new, but my heart says revival. Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) I I, I would, yeah, I would say I feel the same actually, because it's not, you know, I mean, it is a new show and it's not that, I don't know, 20 years old, but, and it's, you know, it has never been done on the West End before properly. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Mikey. I, I'd say heart says revival, head says new production. Technically, it is a new production. You know, it's the first time it's ever been on. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see but, if it gets nominated for anything. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Might not matter. Let's, well, we, won't, um, we won't jinx anything, but I'm touching yeah. wood here. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you've hinted about the potential future life. Do you think that this will make it over the Atlantic? I think... It stands a really good chance of yeah of getting to New York. It certainly is going to have a life outside of the UK. That that I have no doubt about. That this this product this version of the last five years is going to be seen internationally. There are already a lot of sort of conversations and things in motion. You never know really with these sorts of things. But I I really I you know. Again, not wanting to jinx anything, but I'm relative, relatively sort of confident that we're going to sort of make it over to the States and do it there. But I mean, literally, who knows? I mean, there's certainly nothing in stone. So mm-hmm, sure. the formal answer is no. <laughs> there's no no potential. But of course, conversations are being had. And, you know, I'd love to get, I love New York so much. And I would love to do the show for a New York audience and see what the differences are. One of the hardest things I would say for anyone playing Jamie in the UK is Six of Goddess, which is such, has so many specific yeah. references to the New York Jewish community, um, which ultimately go over the heads, I would say, of the majority of the audiences who come and see us in London. So, uh, but I know that it brings the house down uh, in the States, you know, just from the opening few lines so even just i'm breaking my mother's heart you know it's 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 instantly this yeah. is a jewish boy who's going through a crisis and we've all been there um he's a manhattanite jewish jewish boy so i would love to do it over there just just for that experience um the other thing i was uh, you know on the verge of lobbying for was a cash recording it's something that i think it was when i was watching it i was just like i, I want to hear this again yeah i i am also lobbying I would love, love, love to do a cast recording. Everyone involved in the show is like, please come and do a cast recording. Please come and do a cast recording. 
So hopefully, I mean, I think I really, really think it, it should have a cast recording just because it's, it's completely different from a sort of sonic um, sense, you know, from anything else that's mm. with the show before. So I think in that regards, I hope it will. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope it works you, out. You want it. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, can tell, you can tell them I asked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will. Pass on, yeah. Um, so you've got about just about two weeks left? No, yeah, we've still got a few weeks to go, which is fun. Now we can just sort of really just own it and enjoy it. But yeah. Mm. I suppose the biggest thing is most people would come in saying, oh, it's only an hour and a half. But for you, it's like, and it's almost two and a half hour show condensed into 90 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, I, I love, I love, love, love doing it. And I love the challenge of it. It's rare, to be honest, that you get something as an actor that you just go, this is pushing me to every last corner of, of what I am capable of doing. But it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it takes, takes over your life, really, doing a show like this. You, you spend all day thinking about that show in the evening um, or two shows in one day. You know, you're constantly checking in with yourself vocally, physically. You know, I've, I've had, oh, I had a crazy situation in rehearsals for this. I think it's because we, you know, I know a lot of other actors have had a similar thing of coming back to shows and it being a very quick rehearsal period. And I, um, I had my knee, just like my left knee, just completely went in rehearsals. I had to go and see a physio. The physio was like, um, to be honest, I would, if you were not an actor, I would say you, you need to not do any exercise for the next month. Um, your knee is not in a good way. I'd like really sort of strained my meniscus in my knee, you know? And so since then, since that day, I've spent every single day doing, you know, exercises. I wear a knee brace in the show. You know, I ice my knee after the show, you know, there, there's no hiding in terms of just getting by. Um, it's so intense. So, my life really just revolves around doing the last five years at the moment, but there are very, very bazillion worse things than that in life. I feel Absolutely. very fortunate would have played this character. And I suppose because of COVID and, and the multiple iterations, it feels like you've been doing it for the last five years. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, listen, thank you so, so much. Um, I've really enjoyed this. It's been really fun to, to go through it all. Thank you so much for such brilliant questions. And it's really lovely to meet you. Oh, you too. Um, good luck with the rest of the run. And fingers crossed for that cast recording yes <laughs> all right take care bye Mikey have a nice day you can see Ollie alongside Molly Lynch in the last five years at the Garrick Theatre until the 17th of October you can find him online at Ollie O-L-I underscore Higginson on Instagram and Twitter well that's it for this week and for series six as a whole but I'll be back next month for series seven with more brilliant guests from the theatre world Until then, look out for updates on Instagram at Backstage With, and thank you very much for listening.